Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here with my sidekick, Cyrus Satchis. And tell you what, folks, if you could see him, hey, come on. He's actually shaved off the beard. He kind of looks like the wolf man. <laughs> I know, but now he's looking a little bit more presentable, getting himself back in, uh, into the mode of trying to have some sense of a normal life, which I hope everybody will be in that mode coming up here shortly that, uh, you know, you got your vaccine and we can get on with trying to do the things that are necessary to uh, continue to enjoy life and yes. just uh, make life better for everybody. Cause mm-hmm. this is insane what's happened. And I'm so mad at our government for destroying the lives and the business of so many people over something that was never, never, never did we get the 100% truth about what was going on. That's the, that's the reality of it. And I'm going to drop it at that because I'm not getting into political stuff. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, bad, it's bad enough, Cyrus, that we have to talk about the Warriors in the last two seasons. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we were actually excited for them this year. I, I was. I still kind of am. You know, I, I you know, and, and Rick, it's been a while since you and I have broken this team down. I think part of it is because it was hard to figure them out until now. I, I still think it's kind of hard to figure them out, but at least some of the picture has been painted at least, you know, some of the roster, we now have an idea as to who's going to be there potentially long-term and who's not time to take a quick break to talk about bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March madness is upon us. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just betonline.ag it's fun bet online your online sports book experts you know i guess so far rick we're we're a little over halfway of the season through What's your report card on the Warriors so far? Are they are they better than what you expected, or are they worse than what you expected? What would you get? What grade would you give them based on your expectations, and why? Yeah, who am I to freaking give them grades? C. I'll give them a C. Rick, you're, who are you? You're one of the greatest players in the history of the game. I, know, but I mean, here's the thing: is I'm not there every day. I don't see everything that's going. Just like I know you're asking me, oh, have the coaches doing this right? Who the hell knows? I mean, if you're not there every day, seeing how guys respond, how they're working at practice, all the things, right. how do you really know? I mean, seriously, I hear all this stuff, and all these analysts come, oh, this, that. And everything, you know, all the talking heads who think they will have all the freaking answers to everything. If you are not there on a daily basis, if you're not in that huddle, actually hearing what the coach has to say, which we've talked about before, that I'm kind of surprised that the coaches have let the, the microphones and the and the TV cameras back into the huddles because that's how Casey Jones lost his job way back in 1975 when we won the championship because of what was going on in the huddles. And it didn't look like he had control of what was going on. And they outlawed him for a long time. So now it's back. I've never heard this story. What, what was what was Casey Jones really? saying? Oh, no, 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 no. You see over there, what happened there was there was a lot, a lot of stuff that went into the huddle. Bertie Bickerstaff was taking over and doing things, and Casey, you know, didn't look really good as far as having control of what's going on. And, and you know, and it really hurt it hurt him. And he wound up getting fired. Oh, and uh, and the coaches said, Hey, this is crazy. Well, the bottom line is that. They said, hey, the coaches decided they don't want to have it in the huddle. They didn't want to have the huddle with Mike and having the cameras there and being able to see what was going on. I, I think wouldn't want that. From a fan standpoint, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, yes. I think it was impressive. Like, I was impressed when I first saw Steve Kerr in his first year doing it. His demeanor and how calm he was and the things that he said makes sense. I mean, for me, from a person who enjoys the game and understands the game, it was interesting for me to see. Right how he handled things and how he was able to deal with things in the huddles. Uh, and so, but that can really hurt a lot of coaches. I mean, is to see whether or not he gets rattled. How is he talking? Is he screaming? Is he yelling? I mean, so it, it's a different, it's a different scenario. And maybe having done some stuff, even in the minor leagues and some other things, when you know that there's a mic or there's a camera and stuff, you, 
you, you try to really watch yourself because you know that you're going to get scrutinized big time. Right. My, my understanding is that stuff. my understanding is the producers and editors with the networks, they have an agreement where they're not allowed to publish anything that would be considered confidential or giving things away. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it's, it's, I could, I cannot understand a single coach being happy with that situation, but you're right. The fans want it and they probably succumb to pressure from the media. Right. Yeah, I'm sure the networks as well. I mean, they want to get the ratings. They want to have something be entertaining and enjoyable. The good thing would be if they go ahead and start hiring some guys that actually know what the hell they're talking about. I don't even get into that. I mean, I can't even watch some of this stuff. I just say these guys are watching a different game than what I'm watching. I mean, come on. I mean, just be honest about what's going on out there. There's so much garbage going on out there. There's so many violations that are taking place that officials aren't even calling that it's embarrassing to me. I mean, it really is embarrassing. So many. And when you watch the college game and then you look at the pro game, uh, why is that? Why, why have referees decided to just let things go? Do you know? Well, I think it goes back to even back when I was first playing, which is, of course, this is Stone Ages. Is <laughs> it was always like for the officials, let the players decide the outcome of the game. Right. So my my answer to that is, is that, hey, You as an official have one responsibility, the main responsibility you have, right, is to call the game according to the rules of the game. So if a player violates a rule, it is your responsibility and your job to blow your whistle and to call a foul or to call a violation according to the rule book. Right. True or not, right? True, yeah. It shouldn't matter who it is that's doing it. Shouldn't matter if it's the best player in the league or the guy that's playing two minutes. It doesn't matter. It's all about, are you doing what you should be doing according to the rules of the game? Right. If you're carrying the ball, which is a violation, and it seems as though unless you put a handle on the ball and actually take it and throw it over your shoulder, you might not get called for carrying in today's game. It's just <laughs> insane what goes on with carrying the basketball. It's the, I mean, I watch them dribbling up the floor. They're carrying the ball, just walking up the floor. It's yes. so blatant. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. And what they have to understand is that players will adjust. We, they will adjust to what the officials are doing. If the officials are allowing the game to be physical, you have to play physical because they're allowing it. You can't just all of a sudden be backing off and not doing it. Let the other guys do it who get away with it. And you're not able to go ahead and do it yourself. You're crazy not to do that. So you'll adjust. But if they're calling it close, you usually will back off. If you know that they're calling moving screens, which they hardly ever do. I mean, you know, I told you the story one time, 59 moving screens in one game that I charted one time. It got, it was ludicrous. <laughs> that happens all the time, you know, and, and the other one, the traveling, I just watched the highlight last night on one of the games, one of the college games and talk about oh, some they're really doing this. They call, he caught the ball in the air, came down with two feet. He was in front of the three point line. So he stepped mm-hmm. behind the three point line with one of his feet. Okay, one of his legs, right? Put a foot down. That did what? That established a pivot foot for him, right? Because he had two feet down. Once he picked the one foot up and put it behind him, that's now the left. Let's say it's his right foot that he did it with. His left foot's his pivot foot. You cannot, Mm -hmm. according to the rules, pick up your pivot foot and place it down without dribbling the basketball. And yet, how many times do you see this happening all the time? That they bring it back, take it in a three-point shot. It's a travel. It's the same shot and the same thing it's Ray a- Allen did against the Spurs, against the Spurs, you know, against the Spurs when he was playing for Miami that, that cost him a championship. So I go yeah. nuts over those things. Those are my play the yeah, drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Play my drive me crazy right now. Let's get it out of the way. This is what drives me crazy. It really truly does. I mean love it. Yeah. It does. That carrying the basketball, the moving screens. All of these little things, you can say, oh, you're just a purist, old school. No, no. Those are the rules of the game. And the officials should make the call. They, the the players are still determining the outcome of the game because why? Because they violated a rule. The official did his job and blew his whistle and he made the call. And it's not Mm -hmm. the official determining the outcome of the game. It's the player who committed the violation or broke the rule. Very simple. You see things... 
I even just talked to somebody earlier. I just did a podcast for the for the Brooklyn Nets uh, earlier today. And I, I came up with the same thing. I said, come on, how many times you see late in the game? Two players go drive to the basket. They collide. They wind up sometimes both of them on the floor, on the court. And the whistle doesn't blow. I'm sorry. It had to be a block or it had to be a foul. You cannot have that type of contact in a basketball game without somebody having committed a violation. And, and so yeah. and I listened to these people. Did you see the one in the women's game the other day when UConn almost lost? When the girl was I driving in? Okay, well, she was driving in and going up. And it's very evident that she got hit on the forearms. I mean, very evident. And people say, well, well, no, that's a, that wasn't a good shot. They shouldn't have made the call. And that, what do you say? It was a foul. Yes, you make the call. <laughs> that's what that's what the, that's what the rules are there for. You, the you don't say, okay, under this circumstance, I'm not going to call it. No, a foul is a foul is a foul. Doesn't matter when <laughs> it happened. <laughs> so, anyway, that's the kind of stuff that I go bonkers over. And then I, oh. I and I watch and I see them play. I, I'll give you one more that I even told them the story was. I was watching on TV and there were some people over the house doing stuff, and so and I had the sound off because I just don't. I I can't sometimes really even listen to what they're saying because I just, I go, that really does drive me nuts because I I'm watching and I see something happen and they don't even talk about what I just saw. How did you not talk about this? Right. So it was a play and it happened to be Joel, Joel and B going out and setting a screen, a drive coming off. And I, and I watched it and I said, listen, I'm going to, this is something that I told my friends that were there. I said, look, okay, here, I want to just explain something to you. I'm going to explain this plane to you. I'll tell you exactly what happened on this play. I'm just, I showed him how he came out to go ahead and get the screen, how his teammate did not do a great job because you don't set screens. I'll get into this again. You know, my big pet peeve about this, you know, you don't set a screen. You're a stationary object. Your teammate is responsible for turning you into a screener by right. setting his man up and running his man into you. Okay. And forcing him to hit you. So he does a nice job. The teammate doesn't do a good job and goes wide. The player fights and comes over. The guy's driving to the basket and beat, I think, rolls to the basket. He would have been wide open for an easy pass off and probably a dunk. The player goes up and tries to throw a shot up. The defender comes and hustles from behind and gets over and hits the ball and blocks the shot. So I said, okay, that's the whole thing. I just explained everything that happened on that play. I'm going to run it back now, and I'm going to turn the sound on. Let's see what the color commentator says about this. And I said, I will bet you anything that you want to bet that not one word is said about how the – his teammate didn't do a good job of setting up the person coming off it. He's not going to talk about the fact that they passed the ball, should have passed the ball back to Embiid. They're going to talk about the great hustle on the defender and making the block. Play it. Boom. To a T. That's the only thing that was said. I won't mention the name of the person who was. Oh, I was about to ask you who the person is. Throw them under the bus. No, Come on, I, do it. No, I'm just. <laughs> no, I hear you, Rick. It was, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and cause a problem. I'm not going to even do that, but it oh, was. You should, you should, but did you, did I, you at I least give one hint, but the hint would give it away. Um, did you at least, did you at least promote our podcast when you were on the Nets podcast? I hope you did. What's that? <laughs> I said, did you at least promote our podcast oh, when you were on the Nets podcast? Whatever we happen on do stuff and everything. The Nets, <laughs> yeah, they, they got it. You know, I mean, everybody's picking them to be the team that won the championship. Well, well, before we, we go to predicting teams and all, I wanted to bring, I know you don't like talking politics, but I found this story just two days ago and I have to bring it up. And I actually didn't put this on the notes because I forgot about it until just now. And I found the story and you're looking at, at it right now yourself. Um, and this is a poll that was con conducted uh, by Yahoo News and YouGov. Um, they found that 34% of the people they polled watch less sports because of social justice campaigns. This goes exactly in line with what you've been complaining about for, for close to a year now, yep. about how social justice messaging in sports turns a lot of people off. 11% um, of people said they watch more sports as a result. 56.3% said the same, but 34%, that's a third of people who watch sports, they watched less of it because they don't like the politics basically from the athletes during the games. Yep. Um, this, this is much more higher with Republicans. 53% of Republicans say they watch less um, and just 8.6% said more while 19% of Democrats said they watch less while 13% said they watch more. 
Um, so this poll, and I've never really seen a survey conducted before this, focusing on the subject. And again, we're seeing a lot of social justice messaging. Look, me personally, and Rick, and I think this is a perfect example of you and I being two, two people who I, I think we, we value different things in a lot of regards, politically speaking. Um, but at the same time, the world is not just black and white. Like I never see the world as just liberal and conservative. There's a million different shades depending on the issues. And I, I, I do to a certain extent have a hard time arguing with you in the sense that social justice messaging during sports, right? Like when people want an escape from the hardships of reality, this poll confirms what you're saying, that it's a turnoff for a lot of people. And there's only a very um, a small minority of people who actually like it or want to see it. Yeah, the hardcore um, person is watching and going to watch it and they'll tolerate it. They're tolerating it. OK, yes. they don't like it. They say they've been watching the same thing. That means they're tolerating it and it doesn't annoy them. But obviously it's annoying a whole lot of people. It really, truly yeah. is. I've had a lot of friends say they don't even watch it anymore. They're so fed up with it. And it's even gone to the point that I just saw. I don't know if you saw this one recently. Let's just center on this subject. Do you see the Olympic Committee is allowing it now? Uh, they're allowing kneeling, right, for anthems, I yeah. believe, right? Kneeling yeah. for the national anthem. You're representing the freaking United States of America. And the national anthem is going to be played. And you're saying that you can represent your country. And because you have some feelings that you're entitled to have, about what's going on and stuff, but you're representing your country, but you can kneel if you choose to kneel during the national anthem. I find that insulting, reprehensible, inexcusable that they would even get to that point and then also to allow them to wear other things with different stuff on it, you know, for slings, slogans or whatever it may be. Yeah, I have no issue with that because if it's, as long as it's away from the game and the actual competition, I have no problem with that. I think everybody's entitled to feel the way they feel about whatever it is they want to feel about, but not when you're on the job. It's the same way. I own a company. I have a company. I want my company run a certain way. And because you have certain things you don't like about outside of my job and what's going on in the world, that you're going to use my the job that I'm paying you to do as a platform for you to go ahead and file your grievances? Bullshit. I'm not going for that. Yeah, and some of the owners are the same way doing it. So I have a real problem for that. And it really is hurting them, obviously, by this poll showing that it makes no sense to do it. Say so keep politics and other things of that nature. Keep it out of sports. Use your platform that you have. You can talk to a million reporters, talk to them about it and do stuff when the game's over, not during the game. Not on the sideline when the game's taking place. Hey, you're in the locker room. You're away from it. You want to help bring up something to the reporters? Tell them whatever you want to tell them. Yeah, I, I mean, most of this, like most of what the athletes are doing, doesn't bother me personally. But but I, you know, I see this data, and it clearly does bother a lot of people. And 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 this this is the first direct evidence I've ever seen correlating a decline in ratings, which we've seen across the board from all sports, uh, with social justice actions from players during the games and not like you said like on their own social media platforms or in their own time outside of the game but during the games uh themselves uh again this is re related to social justice actions from um players so and we saw this huge decline in all-star ratings it's just yeah i mean they're, they're this is the first time we've seen a correlation between social justice actions from athletes and a decline in ratings. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. And, yeah, it's that. interesting, but it's also has a huge economic impact on the sports. Yeah. Yes. Huge. <laughs> yes, it so, does. <laughs> anyway, um, so going back to, going back to bringing that uh, up because that, that has to go with what we're talking about. That's not the, and, and, and I'm glad that you feel the same way that I do that. I mean, this is not something that should be done during it. I mean, I'm always going to be that way. I just, well, don't I'm not, I'm not, I'm not expressing that opinion to be clear. Like I don't, I just don't care. Like I've, I just, I you're never... one of the ones that tolerates it. You tolerate it. I tolerate it. I still watch because I love the game and doing stuff and I want to see it and do stuff. So I'll tolerate it, but I'm not happy that it's there. I'm not I happy. I don't care. I, I guess, I guess my, I guess I just don't care. I don't, to me, like if someone kneels during an anthem, I, I, I just don't have a feeling on it. It, it doesn't, um, I'm a, uh, apathetic to it, I suppose. I, well, I, 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 just say, I tolerate it. I don't, I don't agree with it. I tolerate it. I'm not to the point where, you know, 30 something percent of people because of that, they don't even want to watch it more because that's a big number. And, and, yeah. and that's a big that's number. number. That's yeah. That's a very that's big, big number. Yeah. 
Um, go, so, but go, so, so the, the, the NBA trade deadline recently passed and, uh, there were a lot of rumors surrounding Kelly Oubre jr. And, and I want to talk about him a little bit because in my opinion, I think he is a fantastic addition to the team. I think when Andre Iguodala left and Sean Livingston retired, that created a huge hole for this, for the Warriors and Oubre to me, in many senses, in many regards, fills that hole. Um, granted he might be asking for close to $20 million a year next year. Uh, he was mentioned in a lot of trade rumors and ultimately was not traded. I would love Rick, your thoughts on Kelly Oubre jr. Just in terms of what he's done for the team this year and whether, and what kind of fit you see for him long-term and if he's going to come back. Well, there's a lot of elements to this. Uh, when he first started out, it was like, what the hell did they do getting him? I mean, he got one of the worst <laughs> Oh my God. I was watching. He was like a brick Mason. I mean, he was yeah. shooting. He couldn't put the ball in the freaking ocean. No, I mean, it was sad, but to his, <laughs> credit, to his credit, he didn't allow it to destroy him mentally and whatever thing. And he fought through it and brought himself back, you know, to be playing at a much, much higher level playing the way that he had played previously. One of the reasons why they picked him up and he's done a nice job in that regard. But <sighs> Did you know that I think what was it? Mark Stein was talking about the fact. I think that supposedly that the uh, the Nets try to get the Warriors try to get him, and for Spencer Dinwiddie. Did you know that? I'm not hearing you right now. I'm so I sorry. Uh, no, I sorry about that. That was my fault. Uh, I agree. I heard about that. Uh, the, the trade proposal was a direct trade swap for Ubre for Dinwiddie. I'm very happy the Warriors did not pull that trade just because Dinwiddie is in the same boat as Ubre, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. But he also has a torn ACL. <laughs> and he has a torn ACL, so he's not even playing. I, I mean, I guess why would the Warriors make that trade? I mean, D Dinwiddie and, and Draymond Green are very similar players. You, are, you, you already have a player like him. Um, yeah, I, it would have made no sense for the Warriors. I'm glad they did not pull that trigger. Do you agree with that? Or Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, for yeah. sure. But here's the thing. He's still not playing at the level that he should be playing to get $20 million as far as Agreed. I'm concerned. Agreed. The market okay. might disagree. He's averaging, with on, on but he's averaging what 15 is it 15 points a game. I think it is around there. Let me, I'll pull up the stats right now I real quick. But, uh, I think it's 15 points. He does a good job. Six rebounds, only 1.4 assists a game, but he's only shooting 43.7, 44% from the field and only 30% from threes. I mean, that, those that's not worth $20 million. Well, let me ask you this, Rick. If so, if another team offers him $20 million a year, which is very possible, and I think well, part he should of the go. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. He should accept that, no doubt. But I but I, I think part of the value is his size, is his he did he's a fantastic defender, uh, in my home, in my humble opinion. And he does enough offensively to contribute. Um, but I guess my question to you is if another team offers him 20, and there's a stats right there, he's averaging 15.2, six rebounds. That assist yeah. number, in my opinion, is the biggest negative. He should be averaging more assists, and I think that's why he hasn't fully fit in yet with the team. But let's say another team offers him 20 million a year. If you're the Warriors, you have his bird rights, you could match that. Um, the only negative is that your billionaire owners are losing a few more pennies, prospectively, right? Uh, why would you not give him the 20 million and keep him? Like, cause who, I guess my, my thing is who do you replace him with if you lose him? Right. Well, that's the question who is out there and who's available for you to bring in to use that $20 million to improve your team more dramatically. There may be a two guys that you could go and get for that kind of money. Maybe. Well, yeah, come on. Maybe. Well, yeah, but you got, that's where you have to know who the hell you're looking for. You got to look for guys that have the potential that are there and not necessarily getting the chance that you could get cheap, that you have a real sense for, Hey, this guy really has an opportunity to come in and try to help us. I think that they overpay so many guys that you get caught. I don't know what they get caught up on what they're looking for. <laughs> well, a lot of it's a, but a lot of it, Rick is the, is the salary cap situation. And this is why I would give Kelly the Uber, Kelly, Kelly the Uber why I would give Kelly that 20 million if he asked for it the, the warrior salary cap situation is so fucked part of my French that because they're so far over the cap that if they if they decide to let Kelly Ubre go and let someone else pay him that 20 million dollars a year you can't replace him with two players at 10 million each because you're over the cap 
you can't like like the only the only players the Warriors could add next year would be the mid level exception, which which is about five six million a year, and veteran minimum contracts. So so I guess what I'm trying to say, Rick, is if you let Kelly Oubre Jr. go for twenty million a year to another team, you can't replace him with a player offering that same money. That's where the Warriors are hamstrung. Yeah. So well, with that said, would you? Thing, I'm not an expert in the salary cap stuff, and I know there's all kinds of nuances and stuff. That's there. one of them. That's We're, one of them. That's yeah, one of the nuances. So in other words, if you, if he didn't if you didn't sign him, you know, twenty million dollars, you can't. You only have a certain number of dollars available to you. Whereas yes. you could pay him the twenty million, and they still wouldn't have to do luxury tax. Is that part of? Oh no, no, they would. That's and that's where I'm talking about the the. This is where Joe Lacob and and uh, and crew. So is he worth pay $20 million? That's what I'm saying. Is he worth $20 million? Is some, but, and I'll give him this. He had such a horrendous start to the season. Yes. And it's one of the reasons probably why. It would be interesting to see what has his three-point shooting been in the last month and a half or two months. What percentage as opposed – because it was so pathetic at the start of the season. Yes. That, I mean, to get that from shooting, you know, 18, 20% or something, to get that up to 35 or more or something, he's going to have to shoot exceptionally well. And he's still only at 30, which is acceptable. I mean, that's not bad shooting. That's, that's, a, that equates to, you know, high forties and twos. Right. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what his stats are after just take the bad start out and then see what his stats are. And it would be interesting to see, I'm sure his average would be up his percentages would be up as well. And so he's going to be show better than what that shows because they're skewed by the horrendous start that he had. Yeah. And, and personally, I think if he has the, the comfort of mind, peace of mind, having that contract versus playing in a contract year, which Rick, you can maybe attest to when you're in a contract year, maybe there's more pressure to put up the bigger numbers so you can get that big deal. Um, maybe without that pressure, he's more comfortable and, and, and produces better. But the bottom line is if we lose him, and I say we, if the Warriors lose him, you don't replace him. That's the bottom line because of the salary cap situation the Warriors are in. So the question is, do you overpay him? Because you're right. I, I think $20 million a year is overpaying. But you, if you don't pay him that, you get nothing. Well, so, <laughs> no, what you need to do is you need to go out and find somebody else that can come in and play at a level that's going to be productive for your team and know who the personnel are and do a good choice in your player selection. That's where it all comes down to. But you can't do that in free agency. That's what huh? I'm trying to tell you, Rick. You can't do that in free agency because of the salary cap situation. The Warriors are so screwed salary cap wise that the only reason they even got Kelly Oubre is because they got this trade exemption from the losing Andre Iguodala. And so they're able to, to, they were able to trade that trade exemption for Ubre along with a uh, first I'm round pick. I'm talking about finding a player who really can play that is under the radar. A guy who could really play, who's not gotten the chance to play, that if you really knew talent yeah. and you really did it and your whole job is to look at the talent on teams and evaluate talent, you should have a list of guys that say, man, if we can get a hold of this guy, I think this guy has a chance of being something, somebody that really knows what to look for. And the big thing I'm telling you right now, and I've told you this for years, a player who has a great natural feel for the game, because the other things they can learn, they can improve on to get a chance. You could sometimes go out and get a guy, maybe even at minimum contract, get a guy for a few thousand dollars or whatever, and a few million dollars who can come in and, and could become as good a player as mm -hmm. Kelly Oubre, maybe better. There are guys out there like that, Cyrus. Trust me. But let there me ask you this, Rick. Out there like that. But if, but if since, you're, since you're basing this on the fact that you have to find this person with a very limited budget, let's like the veteran minimum or the mid-level exception, why not re-sign Kelly and try to find Too much money. Like I know, but too much money for who? Are you worried about Lake? Are you worried about Lakeham's wallet? I mean, the guy's no, a billionaire. Here, so no. Give him, give him the money. I, yeah, because I think that you could use the money more judiciously. You could go out and get somebody and the, who can fit fit the bill. Know that you're not overpaying somebody. But you I can't mean, though. You can't. That's I'm, what I'm trying to tell you, Rick. You can't just because I'm you, you can't. I'm saying you can. I'm I'm the turtle optimist. Okay, so <laughs> but the bird, I believe the, I believe there are players out there that you could bring in who would be great additions to this team because there are players on a lot of teams. And I watched this carefully and I will say this, I know how this game should be played. Yes, and I know yeah. whether somebody knows how to play it 
the way that I think it should be played or not. And there are a lot of players out there who have major flaws in their game, who really don't have the great feel for the game that I would like to see, who are getting paid outrageous amounts of money mm-hmm. and they're not worth it. Okay. Now I'm not going to mention any names and stuff, but I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of them out there that fit into that little Niche. So you're ultimately so you're ultimately saying pass on Kelly Uber if he wants 20 million. What if he wants 15? Well, I'm saying this because of the fact too. This is another factor. If you saw the interview mm-hmm. when they asked him about doing, I think that I have more to offer than coming off the bench. So is he, he say that? Yeah. So so you're going to give somebody 20 million dollars who's not happy about the fact and thinks he should be a starter and could do more, whereas the value that you can bring to us, you know how important it is to have players. You know, one of the guys that I think did it so beautifully for the Warriors for all those years was Sean Livingston. Yes. Well, well, and, and my solution to that, Rick, is just it's if it's that big of a deal for Kelly to, to start versus coming off the bench, make Andrew, uh, Andrew Wiggins your sixth man. Problem solved. I don't, you know, that's my solution to that. Um, but yes, Sean Livingston came off the bench. And, and ultimately, if you sign Kelly to a long-term deal, you know, move him to the bench halfway through the first season. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't, I just don't want to lose him. I, I, I really believe if you decide to let him go, um, the odds of finding that diamond in, in the rough for a vet minimum contract or for that mid-level exception, is just so hard. The odds are so against you. Versus a guy who's giving you 15.6 rebounds and playing solid D and seems to have chemistry. Like the rest of the team seems to like him. Um, that's going to be a tough decision for the Warriors this offseason. That's for yeah, sure. Well, the big thing is they have to sit, they have to chat with him and talk to him and see what it is and say, look, if we, here's the deal. We're willing to do this to you, but if we feel that you're coming off the bench and that's a critical element. I mean, your bench is such a critical element. It was one of the reasons why the Warriors were as successful as they were during that run that they had because of their bench. And that's just a critical part. Listen, to put your freaking ego aside, we'll give you $20 million, but if you need you to be our guy, our spark plug coming off the bench, you get an advantage. You get to see what's going on. But a lot of guys don't, don't, they don't want to do that. It's, it's their, their ego or whatever the hell Mm -hmm. it is. They want to be a starter. They want to be out there. They want to be introduced before the game in front of the crowd, <laughs> you know, whatever the hell it may be. But the thing is, is that that's why I say you got to take, if you want to really be on a team that works and you can be successful, everybody has to take their egos and lock it in the closet for the entire period of the season. It is no longer about you. It is about the team. What can you do to help our team be successful and win a title. And whatever it is that is being asked of you to do, your responsibility as an employee of that organization is to go out and to attempt to do that to the best of your ability. And then the organization and the coaching staff themselves have to be willing to evaluate and see how it's going and make adjustments and changes if necessary. And that's, and that's, you know, I used to tell that to my players when I coach them. Hey guys, I'm not asking you to do something that I think works. I'm asking you to do something I know works. So all I'm asking of you is you give me your best effort to do what it is we're asking you to do. And if you do that and it's not working, we'll have another meeting and then we'll open it up to suggestions from you to see how we can change it. But I don't think we're ever going to have that meeting if you'll follow what we're asking you to do. That's a great approach. I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare debt stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers that are $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. That's ebay.com slash sneakers. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. 
What are your thoughts on some of the younger players? You know, uh, we have a couple of, of rookies playing right now and James Wiseman and Nico Mannion. And well, then Wiseman, second- I just like to see him, you know, stay healthy and put him in there and just play him. Yeah. And this guy has an upside. I mean, there's no question about it. He's athletic as hell. He can run like a deer. He's yes, got he nice form on his shot. Yeah. You know, I'm serious. He's got nice footwork. Clifford and Ray, Clifford and I talk about it all the time. But Clifford's one of the great big men's coaches in the history of the NBA. And okay. he really likes him a lot. And I'm thinking if this guy is worked with properly and utilized properly, he can be a great addition to this team for many years without question. I see him without- when they're on the when they're on a fast break, doesn't he remind you a little bit of Giannis? Like with oh, those no, huge- the guy, yeah. I mean, he, he's like a deer. Yeah, with those deer, like those huge strides. Yeah, like he just takes like each stride covers like 10 feet, if you seems like. No, no, no. He's got, he's got, he definitely has it. As you remember, we talked last year about him. I really hadn't seen him much. I didn't know. And getting a chance to finally watch him some. Yeah. Definitely has, definitely has an upside. Needs to be nurtured and brought along properly. Needs to be told refinements and stuff of how to take advantage of the talent that he does have, how to utilize it in the best best possible manner. Um, Yeah. That would be that would be great. I, I don't know. I don't know who they're. Who, who, I don't even. I don't. I don't even get into and doing stuff. I mean, I would sit. I, if I were them, I'd I'd send him and go tell him spend three months with Clifford Ray in the off season, and he'd come back a beast. Well, well, we should get Clifford Ray on the show one time, and and Cliff could break him yeah, down. But we'll uh, get Cliff, I get Cliff on sometime. We talk about him, and he, I mean, I'm telling you, Clifford's done miracles. Here, I'll rest my case on this. Clifford Ray, when he got, when Butch Beard was coaching at the Nets and, and asked Clifford to do it, and he, you know the story there, he asked me to be an assistant. I said, yeah, I'll do it. And the Nets organization, I played for the Nets, they wouldn't let him hire me. Sons of bitches. So it was unbelievable. So anyway, Clifford Ray, before the end of that season, had Sean Bradley getting triple doubles. And poor Sean Bradley, by the way, on a side note. I don't know if you saw Oh, this. I know. Yeah. Wow. Sad. That's rough. That is rough, yeah, man. Sad. But Sean Bradley, and then he was, then I told, you know, whenever it happened, anything, Calipari comes in there. I said, look, at if you're smart, keep Clifford there. He doesn't keep Clifford Ray and all. But Sean Bradley gets cut and is gone out and never played again. He was getting triple doubles under Clifford's tutelage. That's right? incredible. Points, shots, points, blocks. rebounds, and blocks. Yeah, that's incredible. That's... <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah. What about so what, I, rest, what I rest my case on that? Yeah, there you go. And and I'm excited. Wiseman's ceiling is, and he's so young. That's that's a part that we we need to constantly remember. He just turned. I think him and you have the same birthday, or it's a day apart. He just turned 20 years old. Nico Manian, the second round pick, rookie. What do you? I, I'm I'm liking I what really I see from this. Him. To be honest with you, I really haven't seen much of him, so I really couldn't give a really in depth evaluation. I mean, I, you know, obviously I could take a look and, you know, watch him a little bit closer. I mean, yeah, take I, a look. if you can watch him only in the sense that his ball handling really impresses me. Like he, he immediately has the character and build of a point guard who, who feels, who looks very comfortable out there. And for a rookie, I'm particularly impressed. Uh, he shows moments where he has, has a shot and then other times he's breaking shots. So I think there's some work to be done there, but I'm liking it. I, I think for a second round pick as a backup point guard, there's potential there. And then what about our second year players? You know, you and I shit hard on Jordan Poole last year. I think rightfully so. Um, he spent a lot of time this year in the G League. Uh, from comments from Draymond Green and others, he's spending a lot of time in the in the weight room, spending a lot of time practicing. He's usually one of the first people there, one of the last people leaving. Um, and then Eric Pascal's another second round pick uh, or second year player uh, on the team. Now, what are your thoughts on those two? Because the Warriors are playing the more Pascal, especially Poole seems to be uh, increasing his scoring numbers. Um, are you liking yeah. what you see now, at least at least versus a year ago? Well, I mean, obviously, Poole has uh, gotten a little bit better than where he was before. I mean, he, he was a 33 percent goal shooter last season which is pretty horrible last year. Yeah. yeah. 40. Now he's at 47% and he's, he's shooting, you know, he's only 28% from threes and now he's shooting 37%. So a, a big improvement. So again, I respect a guy who doesn't allow himself to get mentally destroyed. Mm-hmm. Plus you're having a tough time, just like Kelly Oubre did at the start of the season to do it. I think pool to his credit, went back there, accepted the demotion because it is a demotion going down to the G mm-hmm. League team and, and, and making the most of it. And now coming back with the attitude you're talking about and improving his stats and getting up to the point where, you know, he's performing at a much higher level. 
Uh, you know, but you know, still has a way to go. I mean, for a guy who's a first round pick and doing stuff, I mean, he, he's been a disappointment. Let's face it. I think he has to admit to that fact that mm-hmm. he has not played at the level that I think he anticipated he was going to be able to play at. But I think he's gotten better as far as not taking some of the most God awful shots. I mean, <laughs> yeah, taking shots eight feet behind the three point line. The last, I mean, it was crazy what he was doing. He was so, a shot yeah. machine last year. Yeah. This year he's, so, yeah. he's so it's definitely it's definitely an improvement in that regard. So that's you know, that's certainly good to see. The Warriors have a lot of decisions that they're gonna have to make, and obviously they're gonna do a lot of evaluation. And if it gets to a point where they know that the the playoffs aren't gonna happen, then I obviously I, I would think it's obvious that they'll have to play a lot of other guys to really get a real serious look and see what some of these guys can do right. to make to make a relatively intelligent decision as to what they're going to do with them, whether they're going to let them go, whether they're going to resign somebody, uh, and what dire- which direction they're going to go. Because you still have the giant question mark that is hanging over the team. How good is Clay going to be when he comes mm-hmm. back? That's a One huge... thing about that is that it, the, where it may impact him more would be the defensive end. Yes. Yeah, because, of, you know, can he move as quickly and play defense as tough as he played defense? But that's not a huge factor because you don't win championships by individual defense. That's a bonus when you have a guy who's a tough defender to make a guy work hard, but who still understands the principles and concepts of team defense is the most critical element. That's where your success comes. Then if you have a guy that can make it a little tougher on somebody who still has all of the understanding of the way to play team defense, mm-hmm. then it's great. So I remember I told you, I'd asked Jack Ramsey one time, God rest his soul. Jack, I'll give you 12 players. You know, do you want 12 great the great individual defenders or would you want 12 team defenders? I'll take the 12 team defenders all the time. I agree 100%. 100%. Yep. And that's what you want. You want guys who buy in, who understand team concept defensively. And then if you get a guy who's a good defender individually, that's a bonus. But it's not the end all to have that. You don't have to have that to be a championship team. Clay is smart enough to know, understand how to play that way. So if he loses a little bit there because of the fact of the way he plays offense, he doesn't need to be super quick and everything because he didn't do all that wasn't his game. <laughs> you know, you were, you were in the news a couple of weeks ago for you're uh, doing a hit with uh, 95, seven, a game or some radio station in the Bay area. Um, and, and you, you were critical of Draymond Green, I believe. Well, for I really wasn't critical of Draymond Green. The headline was critical to Draymond Green. It was. I, yeah. Yeah. And I got to talk to people about that. And I even told Raymond Ritter, who was, the, you know, one of the, one of the executives and does PR stuff for him. I said, our boy, yes. To read the entire thing. I said, I never said to Draymond. I said, Draymond right now, the way that he's playing offensively is a, is a detriment to the team. He's, he's really hurting the team. But I said, he does so many other things and is such an important element to the team right. that, you know, that's why he's there to do those things. You, they, and he did exactly what he had to do, which we discussed before they got KD. I said, he needs to back off. Forget about getting 20 points a game. Go play defense. Go and get rebounds. You know, and he was getting triple doubles, you know, assisting the ball, doing all of those things. The problem is, is that this team doesn't have the offense that they had when it was there with Clay out and then they lose KD. I, I mean, so he was and he wasn't giving him anything and he was shooting the ball poorly. And so that's that's the point that I was making. But, you know, to, to not want to have him on your team. I mean, yeah, we're looking at his stats now. He's only averaging six points a game during the season. He's still averaging double. You know, he was like a double double guy. And that's what you need for him. You know, 10 points a game, 10, 12 rebounds a game. That's where you'd like to see Draymond. That's what yeah. I'd like to see. Peak, peak Draymond, he was averaging double digits and scoring. And then uh, and then, and Durant's last year went down, and, and right now he's at 6.1. His assist numbers are solid. I, I do like the way he's running the offense. I think he's averaging a career high in assists at 8.4. But right. um, but I would say the, the rebounding number could be better. Uh, in 2015-16, his best year, he averaged 9.5. That's down to 6.4. Right. Yeah. Uh, see, when, he, when they had the run, he was when they had the run going good. He was averaging up there like eight, nine rebounds, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine rebounds yeah. a game. Yeah. You know, and so that's why that's what I'm saying. From if I, with Draymond out there, you had Draymond. Hey, if he can get you 10 points, nine, 10 points a game, and do the other things, get the assists and get the rebounds, play the defense he plays. You know, then he's good. And then not go crazy at the end of the games and pick up technicals. <laughs> what do you think about a statement that he's the greatest defensive player in the history of the game? I hadn't heard that one. 
He came out a few days ago. What, that, and what, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? The greatest defensive player in the history of the game. What does he mean? He, he can shut down a shooter? Meaning he can <laughs> shut down players better than anyone else ever. Yeah, well, there's no such thing as a lockdown, shutdown defensive player against a great offensive player. It doesn't Correct. exist. Correct. But on a scale of all the best defenders in the NBA, he considers himself number one. I mean, what would you, would you agree Everybody, with that? Everybody's entitled to their opinion about it. So, <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that I, that's the kind of guy that I would love to have guard me because I know that kind of guy is going to be easier to fake out than a bad defender sometimes. Mm, okay. Well, why? Why? Well, because he's going to react to what you do. Okay. And that's what I want you to do. As an offensive player, as a tough defender, if I that, if that guy reacts to the things that I do, basically I'm suckering him in to do something I want him to do, but I really I'm, I want him to think I'm doing something. And if he thinks I'm doing that, he's in trouble because I'm actually going to do something else. It's like magic, close-up magic. A magician Who? does something to draw your attention, right? While he's doing something else he doesn't want you to see. Who would you rather have defending you? Draymond Green, Michael Jordan, or Dennis Rodman? Wouldn't matter. <laughs> uh, what are your What are your thoughts? Uh, I got peeved uh, during the All Star game. Uh, there's speculation that LeBron James was recruiting Stephen Curry by their buddy buddy tactics. Uh, he he drafted him on his team. Um, the All Star game with the new captain format has, in some ways, become a recruitment platform for upcoming free agents. Uh, did that turn you off? Do you care? What are your thoughts on that? I don't care. <laughs> I do. I do. I say LeBron, get away from that. Why? Why? It's, it's, I, I admire the fact. Hey, I admire the fact. Listen, if you if the rules are such that you can't do that and you're breaking the rules, then I have an issue with it, right? If that's the thing. I know the teams can't do it. I don't know if the guys are friends personally and stuff. They can, hey, why don't you come and play with me sometime and do it? How the hell do you control that? Seriously. I don't want I don't want Steph, I want Steph to be a lifelong warrior. I want well, of Steph course I don't play. want Steph. I don't want Steph to leave because I mean I love watching Steph Curry play. Yeah, you know and I am of Steph. I mean it's and I hate to see him leave. I mean he's he just looks like he's having so much fun out there. My wife and I I just love watching him play. I love watching this guy play. It's amazing. And I hate to see him leave, but I have no problem. I mean, hey, if 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 I could have an impact on getting players to come and play with me to help me win championships and everything, shit, I'm going to do that. Why would I not? I told you before when, when KD left, I said, if I was on the Warriors team, I would give up part of my salary not to have to leave that team because you already got enough money to leave 50 lifetimes. It shouldn't be about money anymore. It should be about being a champion. Yep. Being on a championship true. team, being a part of one of the greatest teams in the history of your sport. Why would you not want that? And why would you not be willing to do whatever you could do to be a part of that? I, I, just, I don't understand that. But again, that's why everybody's different. Not everybody has the same makeup and same mentality and approach to things, True. which is what makes life interesting and also makes life very frustrating at times. Agreed. 100% agree with you. I feel like in the, in, the, in the 2000s, there's some sort of split emerged in the game of basketball, both among the fandom and among the players where this individuality kind of arose, where we went from a, a game that was a team game that, you know, you had communities supporting specific teams. And all of a sudden you had the second sector emerge of individuals who only cared about their own personal accomplishments and fans who started just rooting for individual players instead of teams. I don't know why this, this second whole group emerged, but I do feel like there's a split. It's easy to figure it out, Cyrus. Wait, what, what is it? Social media live. No, because yeah, social media. And we also live, we live in the world now of entitlement. Yeah. Yes. Players and people think that you're entitled. Young people think they're entitled to things. My father told me when I was, son, the only thing you're entitled to in life is what you earn. Yeah. The effort put forth. That's what you're entitled to. Nobody owes you anything. Everybody thinks that things are owed to them. Why? Because you were born on the face of the planet earth. You're owed something. You know, I mean, seriously, it's pathetic. It really is. It's so sad to see. And I blame the coaches for enabling it. I blame the coaches for enabling this to happen. All of this stuff, even in football, when a player's out there making the big thing, he does his thing. Listen, you call him over and say, hey, Cyrus, look it. I know you're excited about doing stuff, but if you do that again, 
you're going to have a seat next to me here on the bench, okay? Because it's not about you and what you accomplished. The fact that you made the basket, you already made a statement. You scored the points for our team. We don't need you to go out there and be telling everybody and you know doing all of these different things to bring attention to yourself. It's not about you, Cyrus. It's about our team. And so either you're going to conform to that or you're not going to play. And the coach has to be willing and the ownership has to give him the authority to do that regardless of who it is. And as I told you at the start of this show, players will adapt because the players, there's one thing they want. They want to play. And if you take the minutes away from them, they will do what you want them to do because they want to play. Don't hear you. I'm not hearing you now. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, okay, so uh, we have this uh, follower on Twitter who's a, a huge fan of yours and a fan of the show. His name is Will Moon, who went out and wrote an entire letter on Warriors letterhead with a few questions from a lifelong fan who was born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, uh, we're not going to read this whole thing last year. He had a question about, uh, we talked about Wiseman and Jordan Poole, and you, you agree that there's tremendous potential there. Um, his question for us was, do you feel like the Warriors organization and coaching staff is too focused on the past and our dynasty years? No, I don't believe that's the case. I mean, first of all, you can't live in the past because the past is what it is, the past, <laughs> okay? It's already happened. You can't change what's happened. What you try to do is you try to see if you can maintain a high level of success. And I think they're trying to focus on trying to get that chemistry back together, get the right players together, knowing that that formula works, but only works if you have the right personnel to utilize it effectively. Right. And that's why it comes down to the things I've always told people in team sports, the three critical elements, who do you draft? Who do you get in free agency? Who do you trade for? It all comes down to the players. Doesn't matter who's at the helm. And then you hope you have a coach that doesn't screw it up and a coach that will utilize that personnel in the most efficient way possible. And that's what you have to evaluate as a general manager, or if you're an owner and you want to look at it and you know, you think, you know, the sport and everything is this coach getting the most out of the personnel that we've given him. Are they improving? Are they getting better? Okay. okay. It's not about the wins and losses necessarily. Okay. Because sometimes you're just, un, you know, you're outmanned. I mean, the other team is just way better than you are. And unless you get them on an off night and you guys are clicking on stuff, you're not going to beat a team, but that happens quite often as you, see during the course of the season, you look at a score and say, what, what, what was that score? I mean, <laughs> I mean, just look at the Milwaukee score the other day against the Clippers. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, was I mean crazy. who in their right mind would have ever thought that that score was, I mean, when I looked at it, I says, no, nah, it gotta be a misprint. Yeah. I mean, come on. Things like that happen. So no, no, I don't think that they're doing that. I think that they're, they're in search of, the show in search of they're in search of trying to go ahead and rebuild this team to be a title contender again. And they're getting there. So, so, so uh, yes, Will, you do need to calm down and have faith in the process. Uh, his other question is what are your honest opinions of uh, Alan Smilajek? I haven't seen him enough to really know. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's they're starting to give him some playing time. Uh, the other, the other day, I think he started and had three quick fouls and got the yank and that was it. Um, and what about JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson? How are you liking him? Are you, have you seen him much? Same situation. I mean, I, I just, I, they're not going to do anything. It's a rebuilding situation and they haven't played enough quality minutes in situations where he could really watch and evaluate them. So I, you know, I, I would not want to say something about him that could be detrimental or incorrect. I mean, if I watched him more carefully, I'll see if I can try to do that as the season's winding down and take a look at those two guys and see what I think about them. In fact, you know, the rest of them as well. But, you know, when you start getting down your roster and you start getting below, you know, the eight top eight guys, I mean, there's very few teams that go lower than eight. I mean, the Warriors mm -hmm. did it when we won, we were going 10 deep. Um, but that's not the norm. Mm -hmm. That is correct. You can't handle the truth.
Hope you could handle the truth, Will. You can't handle the truth. I can handle it. It's okay. The truth of the matter <laughs> is, is that this is a better season than last season. Uh, it's yeah, not it what we had maybe hoped it to be, uh, but they, they've had some issues. I mean, I think, you know, Kelly getting off to that horrendous start, you know, certainly hurt a lot. If he'd been playing the way he's been playing the last month or so, I got to see him in person down in Orlando with Clifford and I went to the game down there and he looked, he looked very good. And if he had been playing at that level at the start of the season, they'd probably have, I would say half a dozen more victories, which would change everything as far as where they are in the standings. Right. It would. And, and moon and will moon at Moonman Oh three Oh five. Thanks for that, for that letter. And we always answer questions on this show. Rick, uh, to wrap things up, I'm curious to know what what do you what do you see in here for for the remainder of the season and the postseason? Obviously, we'll do more shows before uh, that happens. But the Warriors right now sit in the tenth position, which under this new playoff format would result if the season ended today, they'd be playing the ninth seeded Memphis Grizzlies for a chance to play the loser of the seven eight game, which would be the Mavericks and the Spurs. And that winner would go into the playoffs. Uh, so in other words, if the season ended today, the Warriors would have to win two straight games against the Grizzlies and either the Mavericks or the Spurs to get that eighth seed. Um, what are your thoughts on how the Warriors are doing playoff wise? And who do you think is going to represent each conference right now? I, I'd say just leave that right there. Cause I can look at your things as you have your screen up. I, <sighs> They obviously they have a chance, but there's also other teams that are right there with them. Uh, scroll up just a little bit for the Western Conference so I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Okay. So in the Western Conference, obviously there's a number of teams that are right there behind them. I mean, only a couple of games, you know, three games back, Oklahoma City is there, but then you have New Orleans and they they showed some life, you know, uh -huh. playing some ball and you know. Uh, so who knows what can happen with them? And then, of course, you got the Sacramento Kings who are there. They're only one game behind. Pelicans one game behind. So that's going to be a battle to see, you know, and they're only two games behind Memphis and San Antonio and Dallas are only one game away from them. So God only knows who's going to be in all those spots come the end of a season. So it should be interesting. So I would say they have as good a chance as the rest of these teams. It's just a matter of how well are they going to perform coming down the stretch. So yeah, they may to make it but i mean to say that this team has a chance to go on and pull a major upset and win a championship i don't think so <laughs> no i i agree with you i and and uh and, and again there's a there's there's a lot of time left the one really beneficial thing for the warriors is for the remainder of the year they have the fourth easiest schedule in the entire nba that includes eastern conference teams so I do, I do think they're going to, I think they're going to make the playoffs I, at least to make that play in game. Well, I think if they don't finish it, where they are right now. And with the fact that you're bringing up their schedule, if they don't finish in those four teams to have those that playoff to be actually get in and be the team representing the team in the eighth spot in the playoff, right. then, then I, I would be disappointed. Really. Me too. Me too. I if think they're, they're they at least get in there. Maybe they don't win it to wind up there, but at least be in the hunt and be there. Yeah, exactly. I, I would be very disappointed if they're not able to pull that off. But I'll tell you what, the thing that I look at when you look at here, that I, I don't know if there would be anybody, anybody that would have said that the Phoenix Suns would have the second best record in the Western Conference at this stage of the season. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. But that shows you what happens when you get veteran leadership. Yep. And you and know some, who I'm talking about. Oh, Chris Paul, easily. Thank you. I, I but, but here's my guess. If there's going to be a team that gets shocked in the first round and eliminated, it's going to be that same Phoenix Suns team. Just because they have, outside of Chris Paul, they have no playoff experience. Yeah. It's going to be a whole new world for them. So uh, I could see them falling in an upset to, let's say, a seventh-seeded Dallas Mavericks team or something like that. Just the West is just so damn deep. What a conference. Well, yeah, but that's this. But Savers, we've talked about this for, for eons. So you look at the state. So look at look at the eighth seed. The eighth seed in the in the Eastern Conference doesn't even have a five hundred record, and no, it's same. that way almost every season. If you look at it, teams with less than five hundred records are playoff teams in the Eastern yeah. Conference. The Warriors will be tied for sixth if they played in the Eastern Conference right now. Just Thank a you. game, just a Thank game you. back of five. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's been yeah. going, it's been this way for like 20 years now. I don't know why the Eastern conference just always draws in less talent. Um, 
Well, and, I don't you know. know why? Because it's because it's a matter of who they pick. Who do you draft? Who do you get yeah. in free agency? Who do you trade for? Getting the right players. And then 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 they'll screw they'll screw if they don't screw up there, then they screw up by getting a coach who doesn't know how to deal with the guys the right way and yeah. they don't win. So that's the formula. That and the third thing, the critical thing, injuries. That you know, too. When they come back yeah. to it, who, who's healthy going into the playoffs? Are you healthy? Rick, uh, how are you doing on Cameo? And there was another platform you're available on as well where people can pay to have you send personalized messages. Uh, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of different things lately. I'm, so, I'm starting to think called the, the Pickleball Co-op. People, <laughs> I'm the Pickleball. I play all the time. I'm so excited because I found out that I have an opportunity to, uh, to play. I, I was trying to get into the U.S. Open. My goal is to try to win a national a U.S. Open title wow. playing Pickleball. Okay. I don't play singles. I wish I could do it, but I just don't want to screw around with my knee. It might be a little bit too hard on my knee. Okay. But I, but I'm, I'm, I'm I got in and it's like kind of a miracle because they had so many people because it was postponed to cancel last year and they had so many people getting in there. I had a great partner, this guy, Ted Myers, who was a former champion who's up in his seventies and he and I were going to try to play together in the men's and I couldn't, I couldn't get us in. And so, uh, yeah, so that's tough. But I found this lady, Linda Bruder from Arizona, and she, her partner dropped out. And somebody told me I, I touched up base with her, and so I'm going to play with her partner in our in the 4.0 uh, 70 plus a, a category, and we may have a shot at, uh, at coming away and, and trying to win the U.S. Open. Meet her next, actually, to, to play a little bit, so we can at least have met each other before we actually go on the court to play. So I'm excited about that, and then. Then I got, uh, you know, another player to play with, uh, you know, in an upcoming thing in the uh, in the Bainbridge Cup, which usually has a lot of people coming from overseas, but because of COVID, it's not going to be anywhere near as big a tournament as uh, would have liked it to have been. So anyway, it's it's exciting. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting the chance to play in these uh, in these various events and uh, doing stuff for. Uh, Medicileaf. People should check that out. In fact, if actually, if you want to go and get a good opportunity to do that, you can go to uh, ml-rb.com and you can go to that website and put 24 in the promo code and you can check out the different products they have there. I know that they have super high quality products and that's the thing you have to be concerned about with CBD products, but I don't know why the pro, pro sports aren't allowing CBD. It's just the most ridiculous thing ever. Could you repeat the website again? Things. What's the website again? Just pull it up. You can pull it. ml dash rb.com it's that's it didn't work so that's why I, i'm trying to it work on yours no m m is in mary yeah. l dash yeah. right rb.com yeah and it's not opening well i just did it on mine just before and it worked just fine oh geez okay i wonder what am i doing browser uh, ah. maybe do www do www before it because sometimes oh okay yeah i didn't i didn't do that www dot i go well i don't know why it's not showing up it's is crazy. it showing on yours still well i you know i it's one of the let me let me uh let me let me do this i'll edit this part out too don't worry yeah 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 you'll edit it out with this relief Yeah, well, I guess you got to do the, uh, maybe do it, do HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www dot RB. Oh, it's RB. Sorry. It's RB dash ML. I got it backwards, idiot. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. But just do RB dash ML dot com. Okay. So we'll pick up from here. There it is. Okay, yeah. So I'm doing some stuff with Medicileaf and you got to be careful about CBD products, but these are super high quality stuff. They have some of the highest concentration of cannabinoids and stuff that I, I love it. I put it on before I play, use this stuff all the time. I don't know why the pro leagues aren't allowing the athletes to use it. Instead, let them use stuff that they can get hooked on with opioids and everything. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and that drives me crazy. We can use that sometime, but yeah, go <laughs> ahead and put, you know, put 24 in the, uh, in the promo code or whatever, you should get a nice discount and check it out and see what's happening. Again, just go to rb-ml.com and you can, uh, you can check it out. That's one of the good things over there. And got an, another, uh, another good one that I'm doing. That's that I wear all the time. I don't really need to wear them, but I love having these knee sleeves on and, uh, 
these were something that I met the guys when I was at Al Adels had a big deal over in Oakland that we did and they happened to be there and Darren and Roy came up to me and, uh, and they said, Hey Rick, you know, I want you to try if these sleeves. I said, yeah, right. Yeah. Send me a couple. I'll try them. And I'll tell you what, they're really, really, they're really cool. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Uh, go, you know, go kinesiology stuff, but it's go sleeves.com G O S L E E V E S.com. Go sleeves. Uh, yeah, go And then if you go and you put in, uh, put an RB24 in the code there and you get a, get a 20% discount on any of the stuff there, but it's really high quality, good stuff with kinesio tape already built into it. I mean, it's oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really, really neat. If you, and they're doing, they have calf stuff and they have knee stuff and they're build, doing stuff for the elbows. And I told them we're going to also do something for, uh, for hamstrings as well. And that's one of the things I'm getting involved with the pickleball world, because I'll tell you, when you have a lot of the older people playing fastest growing sport in the country, you know, I, in fact, I lost in the finals with my partner in one of the nice big event that we played in, in the finals, because he pulled a hamstring in the final match. Okay. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm sorry. That was, that was disappointing, but yeah, those oh, are cool things. Brutal. Anyway. So okay. Like great. And of course you can follow Rick on social media on all platforms at Rick 24 Barry. You can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. You can follow me on Instagram at Dog Wild, and you can follow the show on all platforms at Warriors 24 Pod. Rick, this was fun. It always is. Always a pleasure, sir. Yeah. And uh, we'll find us a fun guest for the next show. Presented by Bet Online. Everybody, take care. Stay well. God bless you and your family. Let's get back to some sense of normalcy as quickly as we possibly can. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.